Hey everyone, this is Stephen McKee and today I just want to invite you to register for The Nest. The Nest is an online training school for the maturing of the sons and I've been part of The Nest for six years, I think it's six years and it's somewhere that I have grown to absolutely love because it's a place where mature sons grow. It's a place where we grow into maturity and learn what maturity is. It's a place where we learn how to engage in the heavens, how to engage in the courtrooms of heaven, all sorts of amazing subjects, but also it's a place of community. In the past two years, we've started doing more Zoom calls. So we actually do Zoom calls once a week and you would be part of that, where you get to get to know other students and the interaction the community is so much fun but also a place where you can really learn you can really get to know the students get to know the teachers including myself so i really encourage you to go to www.thefoundationnest.com and register if you're looking for a place where it will help you grow the nest is for you Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney and I'm sharing a thought with you today about discernment. In the circles that we travel, we often see a bunch of different teachings that come out. And at first we thought, this is crazy, but don't worry, people are going to see straight through it. They're not going to buy into it. And the next minute we're hearing that Christians who have been well-rooted in the Word of God for so long are falling for all of this rubbish. Now, when I talk about rubbish, this is what I'm talking about. Things like the Old Testament is obsolete. It's not applicable in our lives today. Um, Communion is cannibalism. Why are we having communion? Things like, do we even need Jesus anymore? You know, it's things like we don't need to read our word anymore. All we rely on is revelation. Um, We hear things like there's no such thing as sin. So how can I be held accountable or responsible for something that's not sinful to God? We hear things like God's made me with all of these sinful, lustful desires within me. So obviously, if he made me like this, he must be okay with it when I act them out. I mean, he surely can't hold me accountable. He made me like this. Another thing is we live under the grace, which means we can live as we like. And there are so many more things that you know, I think would curl your toes if I was to share some of these with you. Now, please do understand, I am very well aware that there are 72 levels of interpreting scripture. So there's not just one way to interpret scripture. I also know about the Hebrew aspect of studying scripture to receive those deeper levels of understanding so that the scripture can come alive to us. And that's not what I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about things that are spoken of that are blatantly in opposition to what the scripture says. Now, the scripture is our plumb line. If we're hearing messages that are contrary to our plumb line, are we going to be so quick to take them on board? In today's spiritual climate, we have got to have discernment. And if you don't know what the word of God says, you can't exercise that discernment. Deception is, now you would think deception is an outright lie, but you know what it is? It's a lot of truth with a tiny bit of a lie intermingled with it. 
John Murray said the difference between truth and error is not a chasm, it's a razor's edge. And Spurgeon said something like it too. He said, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between what is right and wrong, but rather it's the difference between right and almost right. Discernment is a discipline that the sons have to practice deliberately. It doesn't just come to you, you know, as a gift. You actually have to practice it, like you have to practice praying and reading the Bible. And I'll present some principles that you can use to distinguish between what is truth and what is error, what is right and what is wrong. And I'm going to refer to and I'm going to quote the Bible many times because I simply have nothing to offer except what Scripture says. Now, although Solomon was already a grown man when he became king. He considered himself as no more than a little child who was still dependent on his father's wisdom. In the book of 1 Kings 3 verse 5, we learn that while Solomon was at Gibeon to offer sacrifices to the Lord, God appears to him in a dream and simply asked, what will I give you? Now, I don't know. Just think about this for a few seconds. If you were the king of a country um, and you're in your you're in your early twenties, okay? Yes, you're grown up, but you're still you're still young, okay? What would you have asked for? I've often thought about it. If I was the queen of New Zealand, I would probably say, "Think I want uh, peace on earth, and I want food for all the children." You know, that would be a good request. That's outside of myself, and it's it's a good request. Um, I might ask for health and long life. Uh, I might ask for great army. And protected borders so that I can look after my country. Notice I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm guarding what's been given to me as a steward of that stuff. So what I'm asking for, I don't think are bad things, but are they the perfect thing? I would ask for wealth for my country, of course. I would ask for good lawful people so that everyone is safe in their own land. I might have asked for a good name and yeah, maybe some fame in the rest of the earth. Um, you know, those are some of the things that probably a leader, if they were asked by God, what will I give you? These are some good things to maybe ask for. And we commonly taught that Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom and that God being pleased with his request instantaneously blessed him with a great outpouring of this gift. But in Solomon's words, we see that he requests more than wisdom. He requests discernment. Solomon's humble prayer is recorded for us in 1 Kings 3, verse 6 to 9. It says, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. Can you hear the humility and the profound sense of dependence upon God in Solomon's request? He goes on and he says, And your servant is in the midst of your people who you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? God is honored that's at Solomon's request because he's pleased that Solomon asks him for the discernment to know what is good, what is the difference between good and evil. And it teaches us that God gives him everything that he asks for and more. 
Now, lack of discernment has got to point to two unavoidable conclusions. The first one is spiritual immaturity and backsliding. In Hebrews 5 verse 11 to 14, it says about this, we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In today's messages, some of the messages that I'm hearing, we're being told that we are mature sons. And while I absolutely agree that this is the destination we're getting to, by these stupid messages that we're hearing that totally contradict the word of God, it is very evident that we are not all mature sons yet. Yes, we have to go on to that. And that's what our aim is to be transformed into the image of Christ to get to who he is and how he lives. But we are not there yet. It talks about you need milk, not solid food. It says everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. We're calling ourselves mature when we're actually in fact children. And it's like those little kids that you see dressing up in their mom's high heels and and, and dresses. They're way too big for them. We're wearing stuff that we're not yet ready for because we're not mature. But we can train ourselves, as the word has said here in Hebrews 5, we can be trained by the constant practice to distinguish between good from evil. So the writer here in Hebrews wants to teach some things which are hard to explain. Not because it's difficult to understand, but because why? People are dull of hearing. They are not intellectually inferior, but they're unable to grasp truths because they are spiritually immature he calls them children here in this particular verse babies you know babies hate to be called babies if this is triggering you right now because you go i am mature you're a little baby you know like when you speak to a little kid and you go how old are you and you go he goes i'm two and you go wow he goes yeah i'm big you see how big i am no baby wants to be called a baby every little boy wants to be a big boy And God has somehow built into us this desire to mature. But when the author of Hebrews describes his readers as children, he's not paying them a compliment. And he knows that they're going to be insulted by it. Children have no understanding of what is good for them. And they will sample anything. Their mouths are constantly wide open, eager to taste and to eat anything that looks good to their untrained eyes. It's only with maturity that children learn what is truly good for them and what is not. I mean, a little kid goes into the cupboard under the sink and there's a beautiful bottle with beautiful pink liquid in it and it's got a picture of a cherry. What does he do? He goes, oh, this looks good to eat, but it's not good. You have to learn to discern between what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And it's the same way mature Christians have learned to differentiate between what is pleasing to God and what is not, between what is consistent with scripture and what is not. Like children, immature believers are prone to sample anything. They're attracted to what sounds good to their untrained ears. If it tickles you, makes you feel good, then the message is a go, when it actually might not be a go because it hurts God. 
While the subjects of this letter should have been growing in their faith, progressing from milk to solid food, instead they're moving backwards, returning to baby food. And you also see this in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are unsaved, those who don't have the Spirit of God within them are unable to discern. They're unable to discern the ways of God and the truths of God because it's utter foolishness to such people. Most children are introduced to semi-solids from about three months old and then they're encouraged to enjoy food more substantial than mere milk. In the natural, we would not consider a child healthy who at six years of age still drinks only milk. For that child would be weak and sickly, right? The same is true of the spirit realm. A person should pass quickly from spiritual milk to solid foods from the basics to what is more advanced. Yeshua himself commended his disciples for exhibiting a level of spiritual maturity with their ability to see and perceive. Their spiritual growth was marked by an increase in discernment. Matthew 13, Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. The gospel's been watered down. It's been changed to appease the sinful nature and to tickle our ears with the things that we want to hear. Repentance and living a holy life are topics that are not popular to, in today's Christian circles. There's a 19th century pastor and author. Um, his name is J.C. Ryle. He wrote just some of the ways that the gospel can be spoiled to us. He says, first of all, and, and these are... <sighs> You know, if we examine ourselves and we examine what we're listening to and even what we're teaching, I would say that we have to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate everything. He says, you may spoil the gospel by substitution. Anywhere that a substitute is offered in place of Yeshua Christ, the mischief is done. The gospel is totally spoiled. He also says you may spoil the gospel by addition. You only have to add to Christ and the mischief is done. The gospel ceases to be a pure gospel. You may spoil the gospel by interposition. You only have to push something between Christ and the eye of the soul to draw away the sinner's attention from the Savior and the mischief is done. You may spoil the gospel by disproportion. You only have to attach an exaggerated importance to a lesser thing in Christianity and a diminished importance to the first things and the mischief is done. Once you alter the parts of truth and truth, the, the truth soon becomes downright error. We can modify the gospel either deliberately or inadvertently, stripping it of its power and its glory. We can bring people to a counterfeit gospel and that is no gospel at all. It's the discipline of discernment that God has provided us to guard the purity of the gospel. Paul, writing to Timothy, called him to do just this in both of his letters. 1 Timothy 6.20, he says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. And in his letter in 2 Timothy 1.14, he reiterates, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The Holy Spirit within us will teach us how to guard through discernment. We have to ask him for that discernment. Discernment is a skill that doesn't tend to make us popular because it requires us to make clear distinctions between what is good and what is evil. I pray for all of us today that we learn how to stand for the truth, how to not fall into every wind of doctrine that comes, but to test it. 
to test its um, its strength against the gospel, against our true plumb line. To we need to test everything that comes out of our mouth as well to make sure that we're not adding or subtracting anything from the gospel. We're not pushing anything, and we're not doing anything that leads to a false gospel. I know that this has been quite a a deliberate and a, a harsh message today, heart, harsh thought. But this is where my this is where my heart is today as I'm thinking about all the things going on in the earth. And I pray for God's people that he gives them that discernment that Solomon asked for when God asked him, what shall I give you? I bless you today. Have an awesome week.